0: Land by Hand Podcasts. My name is Cody, and I'm your host. So, for those of you who have been listening to the show in the past and been subscribers, might notice that the name has changed, the artwork has changed. Just wanted to give a short update about that name change, about the direction I'm headed with this show, and um, really thank you again for your support. So, name used to be Permaculture Freedom um that was really speaking to the roots that I have that my family has in permaculture design and understanding that more as a philosophy and a way of doing a way of thinking a way of designing and that's really still going to be the foundation of this show um it's really kind of taking me on a journey from going from in, you know getting into gardening and growing food and preserving food and um, designing spaces, designing landscapes, building structures, um, really working with my hands, um, hence the name Land by Hand. And that's, that's where the business started. It was always Land by Hand as the name of the business. For those of you who have been to the website, you know that's landbyhand.org. So really it just kind of makes sense to move forward with that name. That's what folks have known us by. Um, all of you wonderful folks that are all over the world have come into this as the show Permaculture Freedom. But at its roots, the start of the business was called Land by Hand. And it feels good moving forward with that name. Um, and really the direction of the show is, you know, at its core, um, the name really comes from this place of us connecting to land connecting to nature connecting our heads our minds our hearts our hands to to nature to to that that source that connection and really you know having that life energy in what we do and how we do it um and more specifically that journey has taken me on working with my hands to make things um Whether it's building things, you know, designing and and crafting things with my hands, um, artwork, um, ceramics, jewelry, woodworking, um, natural building, etc. All these different things, even to, you know, how we shape the landscape and how we care for the animals. All of the stuff that is within the realm of hermiculture, of course, which is so wide-reaching. But really, at its core... What's underneath all of that is a philosophy, a way of doing that is in balance, in harmony, working with nature and not against it. So that's very general, but the show is really going to focus on that philosophy underneath all of these different subjects. And really, I'm hoping to get back into doing more interviews with really inspiring folks to talk about that to talk about their their way of thinking their way of doing their way of crafting of creating with their hands and their heart and their soul that 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 spirit that just comes alive in in what they make so yeah with that i think it's enough of introduction of the direction we're headed if you've been listening for a while i really appreciate your support if you're just checking it out welcome Um, Like I said, my name's Cody, and I'm really happy you're here. And now on to today's show, exploring the roots and cultural traditions of sauna. Sauna, or sauna if you pronounce it in American, is technically one of many forms of sweat bathing, but for some reason it seems to get... Most of the attention and interest throughout the world Um, Has northern roots in Scandinavia And specifically, of course, Finland For those who don't know Um, This episode, I'm going to share a little bit more about Some of the traditions around it I've gathered some recordings of different folks Explaining the history, the mysticism And the traditions, of course, of sauna culture from those northern roots in scandinavia so with that let's dive into the show as always if you want to see the show notes or links to the different clips and the episodes of these curated shows you can visit our website landbyhand.org thanks for listening and i hope you enjoy
1: Did you know that in ancient Finland, saunas were so much more than just bathhouses. They were sacred places where shamanic ritual were performed. Finland is known as the land of saunas. There is well over 3 million saunas in Finland, which is quite a lot for a country with a population of 5.5 million. Many Finnish families have summer cabins with lakeside saunas. But did you know that this obsession for saunas goes back all the way 10,000 years nearly to the time when first hunter-gatherer tribes arrived to the area that is now known as Finland? There has been lots of suggestions made to explain the origins of the word sauna. It is widely considered to be a Uralic word and its original form was savna, which meant a pit in a ground that was heated and then covered with an animal's skin. These kind of saunas cannot be found from Finland anymore, and the closest to them would be so-called tent saunas, which are similar to Native American sweat lodges. Where these first ground saunas were invented is difficult to tell, but we know that in Finland, first sauna-like buildings were built in the Stone Age. Like among several other hunter cultures, the belief system of these early settlers was animistic shamanic and they believed that everything in nature had its own soul and spirit. In the early medieval period around Europe there was custom to build bathing areas or sweat lodges next to monasteries and it was widely believed that bathing would have spiritual effects. During the heart of the middle ages and late middle ages Europe was a constant battlefield between different religious groups and bathing started to get questionable reputation as destroyer of people's morals. This is one of the reasons why most parts of Europe, bathing culture disappeared and several bathhouses were destroyed. Bathing and sauna culture managed to stay alive and well in Northern Europe and Baltic countries simply because they were some of the last countries in Europe that were converted into Christianity. Before any of the modern hospitals existed, it was very common in Finland that women gave birth in the sauna. This is believed to have its roots in old shamanic tradition where sauna was believed to be a portal between our world and the spirit world. There was a custom to take the body of a dead person into the sauna before a burial. Sauna was connected to both birth and death, also big celebrations of life like weddings included ritualistic sauna visits. Going to the sauna was also part of yearly festivals, the Harvest Festival and the Summer Solstice. In ancient Finnic pagan faith, the person was believed to have three souls. They were called Itse, Lulu, and Haltia. Itse was similar to your psyche, your human's personality. Haltia could be described as the higher self, or in some cases a guardian spirit. Lolu meant the body-soul and all the body functions such as breathing. In modern Finnish language, lulu means the steam that comes from the sauna stove. Going to the sauna was like going to the church. It was a sacred ritual and the person had to follow the sauna rules. Sauna also had its own spirit called Lulunhenki. Depending on which area the person lived, the sauna spirit was either male or female. Spirit of the sauna would not tolerate disrespectful behavior and could even haunt the person who misbehaved in the sauna. In ancient Finland, when a person started to build a house for themselves, the first thing they would build is usually a sauna. This was because of practical reasons. Building house was a sweaty business, and one could also spend their nights in the sauna resting until the house was ready. According to some folk tales, the first person who took a bath in the sauna became the guardian spirit of the sauna or Sauna Tontu, the sauna elf. In Finnish folklore, elves were guardian spirits of buildings and often connected to ancestral worship. Sauna Tontu is also one of the most well known characters in Finnish folklore. The most important shamanic aspects of the sauna was its healing properties. Sometimes a shaman would take the ill patient to the sauna and in the shamanic trance they would travel into the spirit world to seek the spirit of the sick person and try to bring it back. It was also possible that sauna was a symbol of the womb which would explain why so many rituals connected birth, life and death that took place in the sauna. Healing properties of the sauna are still recognised today. It is scientifically proven that visiting the sauna reduces stress, inhaling the steam helps people with allergies. It can also ease physical pain and increase your quality of sleep. One of the elements that are part of Finnish sauna experience is a thing called Vita. Or in some other parts of Finland, it is called Vasta. It is literally a leaf broomstick made of branches. In shamanistic rituals, they were used to gently brush the body to drive away bad thoughts and illnesses During pagan times Making the bundle was part of a ritual Because each tree had its own Magical meaning If a person wanted to become more wise For example, they made a bundle from oak leaves If one had problems with asthma They made a bundle from blackcurrant Johannes the midsummer festival Was time for making love spells Women especially made Special vitas For the Johannes sauna where they picked branches from trees that were connected to love magic. While many of these ancient pagan beliefs about the sauna are kind of gone, the sauna still has a very important role in Finnish culture. Going to special holiday saunas during Christmas and the summer solstice are living traditions, and Finnish people know how much the sauna can affect their lives.
2: So, hello everybody, welcome to Sailing Finland. Today we've had a pretty cold, rainy and blustery day. So, at least all the Finns out there sailing and boating, when they're coming ashore, there's only one thing they want. They want to have a proper sauna. They want to warm up, they want to wash, you know, they want to relax for a little while, and that's exactly... You know what the sauna is there for. Because the sauna is such an important part of the sailing and boating experience in Finland, I thought that I'd make a small series of videos about the Finnish sauna, especially targeted at boaters. So today, in the first uh, part of that series, let's take a little bit of a look at what the sauna is what is kind of the fundamental characteristics of the sauna. So, uh, let's let's go inside and uh, check it out. Okay, so here we are in what I would nowadays call perhaps a traditional Finnish sauna. The starting point really for sauna is that people need to wash. And you might think that in a country like Finland where we have a lot of uh, lakes, we have a lot of seashore, you know, washing would just be a matter of, you know, taking a dip in the lake or, or, or in the sea. But it's really not that simple because half of the year at least, you know, the sea might actually be covered with ice and even, when it's not covered with ice a lot of the time, you know, it's actually pretty cold to, you know, The water is cold and it's cold outside, so it's not really pleasant. So, Even in the olden days, I mean, we have archaeological findings of saunas, like, from about 3,000 years ago or something like that, so people in Finland have solved the problem of washing by building these kinds of buildings. Uh, so, you can see here, this one uh, is made out of wood logs, which is a very kind of traditional way of building, dating back, again, hundreds and hundreds of years. So you start off the sauna with a building like this, and then uh, it's not hot, of course, inside, so so you need to heat it up, and uh, again, Finland has a lot of forest, so getting the wood for the building, getting the wood to actually heat up the sauna has never been a problem. So you need some kind of stove or fireplace to to heat it up. Uh, However, in in the olden days, the, the buildings were not very well insulated and would not really retain heat very well. So, in addition to just heating it up, you know, there was a need for something to perhaps retain the heat a little bit better. And again, Mother Nature, you know, came to help us. Uh, the Ice Age, uh, which, you know, left Finland in about like 15,000 years ago, actually did away with all of our mountains and turned those into gravel and, and small stones. So, so there's a good supply of, of stones available. So you know, you build a fireplace of, the, of stones, you put some additional stones on it, and you know, when, when you're burning the fire there, it actually heats up the stones and, and that helps, you know, keep the sauna warm. However, while stones are pretty good at storing heat, they don't give it away very well. So, the one missing ingredient here still then is that it would be good to find some way to actually extract the stored heat uh, from the stones in a a more effective way than just have them stand there. And there we have, you know, one more resource that we have quite abundantly of, and that's water. So when you heat up the sauna, you heat up the stones to a temperature that's well above 100 degrees centigrade. So 100 degrees centigrade, that's when water boils. So if you have these very hot stones, when you throw water on them, actually, what happens is that the water immediately boils off and creates a puff of steam and actually because water or steam is actually just water, uh, you know that has a very good characteristics in transporting heat so. so the puff of steam that comes up from the stoves is actually then warming up the building, but it also feels very good on the people in the sauna. You know, it also warms them off, up and, and you know, you know, break into a nice sweat and all your pores you know, get cleansed and and you know it also feels really nice. So there we have the kind of the basic uh, ingredients. So historically the first saunas were probably just small pits in the ground uh, with an open fireplace and then perhaps the the people put some kind of cover on top of it so that it would retain heat for a while. The next step from that is then to actually build a building a bit like this uh, but with an open fireplace and, and heat the sauna with that. The interesting thing with this is of course that in the old days they didn't build Stoves with chimneys, so this actually this you know room would have been filled with smoke, and that actually is still a thing today. So there's something called sabu sauna or smoke sauna, where where the sauna is heated for three or four hours or something like that, and uh, you know the the fire actually burns inside the building and and the smoke collects there, and then when when the heating is done, then you let out all the smoke, you know, there are some hatches close to the top of the roof, and when the smoke is gone, then, then you can go inside the sauna, and it, it, you know, because there's a lot of stones that have been heated up, then the sauna will retain its heat, its warmth, you know, for several hours. So, some people say that Savu sauna is really the best sauna experience you can have, So. If you're sailing around Finland, there aren't too many sabu saunas around, but if you come upon one of those, then definitely try it out. It's it's about as authentic a sauna experience as you can get. Uh, then, you know, in the Middle Ages, people started to know how to build also uh, uh, fireplaces with, with a chimney, and that a little bit changed the Uh, sauna game, not so much. They were still, what is called in Finnish, kertalämmitteinen, so they were still heated once, so they were heated for three or four hours, and then you know, there was a lot of stones, you needed several hundred kilos of stones in order to have a a good sauna. Uh, The next big change, which then takes us pretty close to, to what we're seeing here, is then when Uh, The sauna, sort of the fireplace, actually was was turned into this kind of stove, and and the mechanics for heating also changed a little bit, because now uh, with with a stove like this, actually it's very effective at heating, so uh, you don't need so many so many stones, you know, there's there's a small compartment here with stones, so there's probably, I don't know, 50 kilos of stones. And actually the, the fire no longer goes through the stones, it, 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 there's a sort of a fireplace inside and then, you know, the heat and, and the smoke goes out through the chimney. But it's still through the walls there, the, the stones are heated up. And that changed the game in the sense that uh, now we have something that in Finnish is called jatkuva and so continuous heating. So so now the sauna, uh, you, you don't need to heat it a lot before, but then instead what you do is you have a small fire in the stove all the time where you are in the sh- sauna, which keeps then the, the stones hot and also keeps the the, the sauna room warm. Uh, the next step then from, from this is... When people started to move to suburbia, and 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 uh, there was no longer available a lot of wood necessarily, uh, and and also in the 60s, 1960s, actually, the first apartment buildings were built, so that, that each apartment had their own small sauna, and that actually led to the introduction of of sauna stoves where instead of the fire there that that you're seeing now, you actually then have the the stove heated with electricity. So that's, so this in Finnish would be called pu sauna, wooden sauna, where wood would not refer to the building material, but to the fact that it's heated by burning wood. And then um, the electric saunas are called sähkö sauna or electric sauna again. Uh, referring to how how they are heated. So nowadays, most saunas that you will find in hotels or or in the bigger marinas, or if you get invited to a sauna to to friends or or acquaintances in Finland who live in the city, they most likely will have a sauna with an electric stove. Then in recent days there are things that are kind of called sauna. Uh, infrared saunas and things like this, but they're just dry, hot rooms and, and have nothing to do uh, with a real sauna. So, so if you've tried something like that, then no, you haven't tried the finished sauna yet. So, so there's still an opportunity for you to actually try out the real thing. But here we have then the, the sauna Here is It's starting to heat up, so it's going to be ready in about an hour. And, and then, you know, it's time for to take the, here in, in the archipelago, the, the daily uh, sauna. And here, actually, so this is the only place and the only way that you can actually wash here. So so it has that function of, of actually washing, but, but it also, of course, is a very nice and enjoyable thing. Uh, it, it feels really nice. Too.
3: To visit the sauna. Latvia is one of the Europe's greenest nations. The country is very rich in forests, rivers, lakes, and nature reserves. So, naturally, Latvian people are extremely connected to nature from a very young age. Most of Latvian culture and traditions are inspired by nature. Another thing that absolutely all Latvian people grow up doing is sauna. Hot sauna, then cold or even ice-cold water. It is something to test the body and an opportunity to surpass limitations and to see what your body is capable of. Also, there is something very special, freeing and vulnerable about being naked around your friends and sometimes even family members. Watch this video till the end and share it with your friends because I am about to show you unique and traditional experience that I got to do in my home country, Latvia. From the preparation of the fire, sharing food, thoughts and intentions. It is really about clearing negative emotions, setting positive intentions for yourselves and for others. You ask for guidance, give thanks, connect and achieve mental clarity. All of this as well as sweating out toxins, getting grounded and being connected to the earth. About Ziedlius, why this place is special?
4: It's because of the place. As you see, we have a lot of nature around us. In Latvia, probably, you will see not such a kind of birds everywhere. It's something unique. And we have not only these glass birds, we have uh, smoke birds and we have wool birds. And, uh, of course, the energetical part comes from people who are watching here.
3: Using twigs and swatting or gently beating on the body is a traditional shamanic way of entering another realm or a different level of consciousness. Some people find it very calming, soothing and meditative, while others report experiences of a full-on and wild psychotropic journey. Basically, the shaman plays your body like a drum to a gentle rhythm while you lay in the heat. The purpose can be whatever you would like to get out of it, but I feel that there is an emphasis on reaching a higher level of consciousness where emotional healing and clearing can happen. From your experience, how does uh, sauna, piltz, help us to feel connected to nature? In piltz,
4: we can be as we are. We can be free. We can be open-minded for, from our masks, what we are wearing usually and normally in a day. This, uh, this feeling after Pirc, it's magical.
3: Do you guys know where Latvia is located? Maybe you have been to Latvia yourself, or maybe you even tried this unique sauna experience yourself. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. I would love to hear about your experience. Sauna is the place meant for cleaning your body and soul. This is its universal purpose, regardless of the various traditions. It is a place for deep relaxation and returning to your real self. From all the sauna traditions known today, Latvian sauna or Pirts is among the rare ones that have kept its deepest, original spiritual purpose. What are like the most common experiences for people? How, what do they say, like how they feel after the experience? They're light, peaceful, satisfied, joyful. They
4: feel balanced and harmony in their self.
3: Over the last few years, I've been having this feeling that there is something in me that I should really let go of. And I have been using different tools, shamans, drugs, and different weird experiences that would help me to release this stuff. And I think only after coming here, I really realized that maybe I should not seek to release all this negativity and other stuff in me. Maybe the answer to all of those questions is just to be, be in nature and be in peace. (laughs) Latvian pirtz ritual is held by a professional called pirtnieks, or Pirtz Master. There are special licensed sauna schools in Latvia. You must study and pass the exams before you become a certified Pirtniks. To become a sauna master, you must be chosen by other masters. This profession chooses you, and it is a true calling.
4: If you're doing such a work, so you need to be sure that you are doing what you like and what suits you. Do. You can learn it. In Latvia, we have one, one school for pit for pit masters. Um, and with, yeah, you become a diploma that you can work in pits, that you have this knowledge how to do it. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you are able to do it. Um, because if you, there are a lot of Pitniaki but not a lot of real masters. Everybody who comes to, to me, to make this petri to us, um, it's not, it's not only like I'm helping somebody. The person who comes to me, he or she helps me. It's uh, like we are changing those energies and I see something in a person what's is in me and with what I need
3: to work by myself. Latvian sauna includes swatting with switches that are made of tree twigs. Masters usually mix different trees and add a variety of different plants to their swatting bunches. Various plants have different healing properties, aromas, And energy. What is the purpose of? I wanna, I wanna say beating, but then you said that you're not beating anyone, that you're playing. (laughs) What is the purpose of this? What? Why would you do that? It's the, it's the rhythm.
4: Um, Many people are saying about vibrations that we are, we are not staying like calm. We are all the time in movement. So it's vibrations. Uh, It's it's like to give a rhythm for the life or for everything, You can make people calm, business rhythm, calm, just slow down. You can make them more energized and it's another type of mm-hmm. making rhythm.
5: Hey, my name is Aaron Hautala. I'm a photographer. I live in Deerwood, Minnesota. And recently, I had the opportunity to create For the Opposite of Cold, which is a book on the Finnish sauna. Sauna for me goes back to when I was about, well, birth actually, because when I was born, I was born into a Finnish American household with my mom and dad both practiced sauna. My older brother and older sister at that time were taking sauna. And sauna was every Saturday night at the Hautala family household where. In my first memory I can honestly say is being in the sauna in a bucket of water on the lowest possible bench and my dad and older brother on the top bench trying to steam it as hot as they could and I'm in the little bucket just trying to hold on to life. The sauna for us was used more as a bath. It wasn't something that we went out and you know just did it to get hot or just did it because we had spare time on Saturday night. It was honestly the, the family time to go take a bath And we didn't take it, you know, together. It was the guys and the guys and the girls and the girls. But it was something that we did every Saturday night. And I didn't learn until well down the road that everyone else didn't take sauna. They had these things called baths and these things called showers. But we took sauna, and that was the way we practiced it. And it went back to my grandfather. I remember going to my grandfather, and Amelia Houtsela's, House out in Biwabic Township, and we would go out there, and then they would take sound on Saturday nights too. And it was something that was just part of their lives, it was part of their parents' life, it went to my grandparents, to my parents, to me, and now I'm looking to bring it on to my family as well. It's more than just getting toasty, you know, it's being able to sit, it's being able to not have to worry about talking or doing anything, and taking some heat. And just be at peace for once, because the the world we live in, there's very few opportunities of rest. Everything is just so go, 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 do, do, do. And all the sauna is there is to be just different. The Finnish people built the sauna first and foremost out of survival. It was something, especially when the immigrants came across from Finland to the, you know, the Lake Superior regions of Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Michigan, the sauna was the first building they put down on, the, on their property. It wasn't the house, it wasn't the barn, it was the sauna, and they actually lived out of the sauna because it was a smaller building, they could keep it warm, you know, it was easier to deal with, and, they, and usually it was the guys living in the sauna as they had the opportunity to build the house in time as budget would allow. What they also used sauna for, it wasn't just bathing in the beginning. The original saunas also allowed opportunity to smoke meat in. They dried their vegetables in it, their produce from the field. There was babies born in the sauna. The dead were prepared in the sauna. There was bloodletting done in the sauna that was believed to reduce high blood pressure. And there was many, many, many different things that were done in the sauna, which we don't see as much of those continuing on as they used to. But back in the day, there was a lot more purposes than just a place to get clean. But that was for sure one of the main purposes, because it's hard to get much more clean than when you're sweating it all out. And then you're still washing up afterwards. That's what a lot of people didn't understand. Well, why would you want to take a sauna and get all sweaty and then go to bed? Well you don 't there 's a little step in there where you rinse and you bit you know do the soap and all of that stuff too, and then you 're probably going to sit in a towel for a while and just let your body get back down to normal you 're so at peace you have a, some water, you lay down and you 're out cold right now and that 's what I remember most about sound as a kid is like it was the greatest bedtime therapy you could ever have because you were just you were just shot, but not in a bad way you know, it wasn't like you went through painfulness to get there, it was just really warm therapy. What we always say right away is that we don't put a template out there for how you should sauna, but how I sauna, if I can say how I do it, it's usually you fire it up, you get it to the temperature you want, which is probably going to be about 180, 190 degrees for me. And then I like just going in and sitting on the top bench or even laying down on the top bench and just zeroing out. You know, just forget anything. Just lay there and, you know, if it's a wood-fired sauna, you get to listen to the wood crackle and you hear the pop and you smell the the scent of it and you just lay on the top bench and you can let your mind relax, which is incredibly hard to do. And usually that's about 5 to 10 minutes of just... Heat. There's no water on the stove or anything, and then I usually duck out, go outside. Ideally, you can go outside because it's really you're warm by then, and just cool off. What you cool off might be five minutes. And I was up in Ely at Burnside, and you know they had the sauna at 218 degrees when I walked in, and I'd walk outside on the lake in the middle of winter and sit, stand outside in my furnish, finished birthday suit for five minutes and be just fine with it. So after your, your body temperature kind of comes back down a little bit, then you can consider, okay, let's go back in. And usually when I would go back in then, that's when I would start looking for the water. And what, where are we going to you know, pour the water on the rocks? Because that's where the steam comes from, and the steam creates more humidity in the sauna, and that's what makes it feel like it's getting hotter. It's not actually temperature-wise getting hotter, but the increased humidity equals steam. And then, then we pour water on the rocks, kind of to the point of where, where you can handle it. And again, I, I prefer now that I've been through the process of learning more about sauna, to take it gradual, and you know slowly increase the heat versus jumping in and trying to cook myself overnight. And if and personally, if I start to feel lightheaded or dizzy, that's when you know it's too far. That's not ideal. You know, the purpose isn't to get dizzy; it's to relax, it's to get clean. And then you can repeat that process as many times as you want. If it's summer, you can go and jump in the lake, go swimming, you know, come back in and do it again. And I've seen saunas last anywhere from five minutes to two hours, depending on what people would do. In Finland, we saw a lot more people taking sauna as a relational experience, where it was people together, guys and guys, girls and girls. We never saw it co-mingled, ever. But when they were in the sauna, very few words were ever exchanged except for more lui, lui, which meant more steam on the stove. That was basically the only thing you heard said in the sauna. But then when they'd come out of the sauna, they would sit around in chairs, they would talk, they would drink water, they would read the newspaper, and then back in the sauna. So it was a lot more relational-based than what I grew up with, which was more of jump in the sauna, get as hot as you can, you know, and go to bed. <laughs> And I prefer doing kind of the gradual, slower approach because if you take an hour out of your day and go through that process of warming up, cooling off, warming up, cooling off, just the stress therapy you're going through is incredible. And my mind is always racing. I don't know about everyone's mind how it works, but my mind never stops moving because it's always thinking about something. And in, in a sound experience is about the only place I found where it finally just levels out and you don't hear all this stuff in your head and you can just ease out and it's different for everyone that's what I find to be the most interesting thing because if you ask the next person well what's your version of sauna they're going to tell you a completely different story based on who they are and that's what makes it cool there's no right or wrong the only defining characteristic we've kind of come up with on sauna is that eventually water has to hit those rocks because the water on the rocks is what creates sauna because the steam coming off the rocks in, in the Finnish language has a word dedicated just to that steam, not to any other steam, just to that steam, and that's what defines sound in my mind. Just like any kind of building, you got to have what do what you frame it up with. Is it two by fours, or is it log, is it stone, you know, you kind of start from there, and then on the inside you have to have the, the sauna room itself, the dressing room. You wouldn't have to have the dressing room, but it's kind of nice. You know, and the sauna room has to be well insulated so that the heat doesn't go out the roof or the walls. And from there, it's kind of open to whatever you want. In Minnesota, it's huge to have cedar siding in your sauna. That's a very Minnesota thing. We thought it was a a Finnish thing. We thought it was worldwide, cedar saunas everywhere. And when we went to Finland and said, so where's the cedar saunas? And they replied, yeah, we don't have cedar in Finland, therefore no cedar saunas. It was kind of one of those oh, wow, my whole mindset just got shook there. The sauna stove usually is a big piece of iron that you're able to put the the wood into and keep fire burning all the time, you know, keep it burning. And right on top of where the fire is are the rocks. So the fire's constantly heating these rocks so the rocks just get warmer and warmer and warmer so that when you pour water on the rocks... As far as what what you burn in the stove, which is an ongoing debate, you know, town to town we would ask, we'd do polls on people, so what do you burn in your, you know, is it tamarack, is it pine, is it popple? And most people every time would say, whatever I have. (laughs) It wasn't real picky as to what wood. We did find out that tamarack is the hottest wood to burn in your stove, and if you do want to melt your stove or catch your sound on fire... Tamarack would be the choice because it burns incredibly warm. One sauna we were in, we threw tamarack in it, not really thinking about it, you know, let it go, came back in, it was 250 degrees. So it gets up there, it's dangerous wood, it's too hot. There's a definite sauna belt, just like the snow belt you get, but there's a sauna belt that runs through uh, northern Minnesota, it's in, you know, the UP of Michigan, it's in Wisconsin. It's gigantic in Thunder Bay because Thunder Bay is the second most population, highest population of Finns outside of Finland itself. But it is definitely out there and thriving and people still love it. And It's not dying. It's not like, okay, these are the grandfather's saunas that are now falling apart and no one's building new ones. We're finding like a lot of people investing into new saunas and making sure they have it on their property so they can continue their traditions. Bemidji has the one of the finest saunas at the Concordia Language Village, and that's Sala Lampi. And they have a log sauna right by the water's edge, which, again, is a real treat, and that's something to take a look at if you ever have the opportunity. From there, you're going to have to go a little farther north. You're just going to have to get up back into the Iron Range country, or Ely. Ely is the sauna capital of Minnesota. There's just no way of not saying it because when we were in the woods of Ely there, we'd uncover one and there was 25 more down there. There was you know, an, way more over here and on Camp Du Nord has a sauna again right on Burnside, which is you know just every bit as cool as Salalampi's and it's right there and it's an, a great treat. The North Shore is dotted with them of Lake Superior from Duluth all the way up They're just sauna 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 And that's where you see a great population of sauna. They're everywhere, but the more you're up in the northern woods of any state, that's where they are. And where where the Finnish folks came and immigrated to, that's where they are. Because Finnish equals sauna. It's just there's no way around it. That's how it works. approached the book initially with a little bit of fear and trembling because it was I, I knew it was gonna be a little more than I had ever done before and we were gonna be in places that didn't allow for power cords you know or any of the tools you would normally use and my goal in the photos I mean if you could just take what's your artistic mission in these photos it was to convey the warmth of sauna if I could shorten it that much because I grew up with a lot of friends that weren't Finns and didn't like sauna, and I got, you know, the end of the finish joke a lot, or why would you do the sauna? That's a lot like torture. And the last thing I wanted to do was be dedicated to doing the photography on a whole project on sauna, and then all the photos looking dark or just... Ugh, like, why would I ever want to go in there? And every sauna that we, we found, it was a kind of my goal to how can I capture this in a light, in an angle that positions the sauna so that someone who didn't know what sauna is looks at it twice and goes, I might want to think about that. Because I took it really as a, a sincere assignment on behalf of the Finnish Americans to do this right. And it was just because the Finns in Finland and the Finnish Americans over here, there's a high, high value on what sauna means to them, even to the pronunciation. If you go up to a Finn and say, that's a great sauna, there's maybe no greater insult that could ever be hurled at them because the pronunciation equals the value that they have. And what I struggled through, even throughout this whole project, is understanding why do we value sauna this much? What's the deal? It's, it honestly is just like a bath. You know, I'll get letters for saying that. But what made the sauna the sauna to at least me and I think Mike and A lot of the people I ran into is the experience of it as a child and the memories and the families and the conversations you had and even Sauna's you took with Grandpa, that Grandpa's not here anymore. You know, that Sauna necessarily isn't an outbuilding. It's part of your life. It's an extension of it's not your brother, but it's close. And that's why I think there's such a value on it is that it's a staple, you know, of family life growing up in a Finnish-American household. What I struggle with right now is I have a four-year-old son and he's on the tipping point if he goes to six to eight without having sound in his life he won't value it like I did because it wasn't that innocence of age and he right now loves them. He loves to, he purposely comes to me and says let's go take a sauna. He mispronounces it just because he knows what a, what a <coughs> that is to me but I, I really value that I need to get my personal sauna on our property up so that he has the same understanding or the value or the tradition of what this is because it is something that continues and i look to educate you know my own family a little bit more now about the whole story of sauna which i didn't know but the undertone to all of it is that there's just a healthy amount of respect to it because of the the stories you've shared the people you met and and looking back your life through the sauna lens if you will one well, of the greatest hurdles in this book is that we were going to be everywhere and anywhere. And we had no control of knowing what time, what the light would be like, if there was power, anything. So I had to come up with a new way of shooting photos that would allow me complete flexibility based on having no clue. And you know, some of the greatest examples of that are there was a sauna that I captured in Wisconsin and we were coming up to the location of this sound at last second and the sun was right on the horizon. In, in typical photography terms, I couldn't have shot that photo, but using some new digital techniques, one called HDR, I was able to shoot seven frames of the same shot seconds before the sun dipped and I ended up with that photo that, was, that, that is in the book, which is one of the most remarkable photos that I think I captured. But it was because again, it was completely handcuffed by not knowing what would come. Another cool story is we were on Thompson Island, which is 20 miles out into Lake Superior out of Thunder Bay. I knew when that photo shoot was coming, my traditional power cord wasn't gonna work because there's no power 20 miles out into Thompson Island. So I had to learn how to shoot a completely different style. And it's just those little flash heads that go on top of cameras. A lot of people have them. I had to learn how to use five of those flash heads wirelessly under radio slaves so that I'd be able to light a sauna interior so it looked welcoming. And if you look at the book in the interior photos of the sauna, each one of those typically took four hours to light, which seems like, Aaron, you must be the slowest guy on the planet, which is partially true. But the other part of it is it was that dark in those saunas. There's one sauna from Cobblestone Cabins, which is up by Grand Marais, Where when you sat in the sauna, there was absolutely no light. You would have a candle lighting the entire interior. But if I took a picture of that, who's going to want to go to it? (laughs) Nobody's going to ever want to sit in that sauna. And I had to light a complete black hole with these little tiny flashes that you could put all around the sauna so that the end product would look like something someone would go, wow, that is cool. I want to go there. That looks great. There was opportunities where I either learned a technique or I didn't get the photo and you're you know when you're in Finland for 2 weeks you don't have an opportunity to go back next weekend and redo it and i was trying to take advantage of every single thing i could so for about a period of 2 years i was on every blog i was on every website and i was poring over how in the world do you do this and do it not just do it but to do it incredibly well to the best of your ability so that when it's done people go well done instead of just oh i'm glad you finished it and throughout the whole process, now this was like a two and a half, three-year process of photos. I mean, you had—I had so many naysayers and people going, "What are you? Why? Why are you on another sound book trip? What's the point of this? It makes no sense." And I even questioned myself after a while, "Why am I going all the way out there again?" But when it came out and the book, you know, was out and the reviews were out, and now to hear. Finnish-American people and and everyone else who just enjoys sauna, what they say about the whole project, that's why. I mean, it was well worth it. There was not a second wasted, and it was done for a purpose, and it was done for sauna. The challenge of, of doing all these photos was that, again, we had limited time and limited Budget, basically and with that said though we had like two and a half years of perfect light which is incredible as a photographer because if you don't have light you don't have a photo and looking back I'm asked the question every once in a while was there anything you wish you would have been able to do different or wish you had a different time with and there's only two that come to mind and one of them is the cobblestone cabin up by Grand Marais and Tofty. I wish I would have been there two hours earlier because I overslept two hours. It was the only shoot I slept over for two hours. And I got there two hours exactly too late to have the light exactly where it was. Where the end photo, everyone said, is great, it's beautiful, well done. But I know in my artistic mind the brilliance (laughs) that I just missed by two hours. And then recently I was up in Ely again at Camp Dunor and, and I was taking sauna at night it was like 10 below and they actually light all the way from the sauna down on the lake with lanterns and they have a huge hole cut right in the ice and you know it's like just people coming in and out of the sauna in out of the sauna down in the water up again and with these lanterns lighting the snow and lighting the ice it would have been such an incredible shot just to be on the deck with a kind of a time lapse and just have these blur of people coming in and out of the water. It was one of the most amazing shots I didn't get you know, in the book but is firmly burned into my conscience now that I've seen it. But that's really it. I really thank God for what he allowed us to shoot. We had opportunities when we walked up to the sauna and the lighting was terrible, we couldn't shoot it. And I walked up to it, put the tripod down, and the clouds would break and the sun would hit it. I mean, we had moments like that. We don't deserve those moments, but we were given those moments, and over and over again. And that's what made the book great. There was a third partner helping out on this one, and that's what made it great. Kind of my goal in doing the photography on this project was just to get the awareness out there. And I personally thought there wasn't a lot of awareness for sauna. I was wrong. You know, There was an overwhelming amount of people who already loved sauna. But one of the goals was to really get the pronunciation right. That was kind of a simple goal, but both the author, Michael and I, the photographer, we grew up with it and people always sang Sauna. And in every interview we've done or every TV spot we've done, we've always started with Sauna, just like "pow," Sauna. And the other true benefit of that right away then is my last name, which is Hautala, same exact pronunciation. And I grew up with the Hadalas, hatatalas, Hatadalas, arias. It was, you know, never pronounced right. And if this book can help my son's name ever be pronounced right, mission accomplished. And I really wanted to do something that would honor my parents. If you want to boil it down, to, to tip my hat to my dad, to my grandfather, to my great-grandfather, and to say... I, I value what you did in my life. I value the way I was raised. I value that you didn't walk away from your heritage and to take that, and I didn't know any other way of doing it other than to say to my dad at some point, for you, this is for you. And he got it. He felt it. He's a Finnish-American, so for him to say thank you every once in a while, that's that's a lot. And when this book came out, it was the first time I saw in his eye he... he and my mom both truly understood what it is I did and that's kind of cool if you can put yourself in that experience of when a parent comes to you and says good job and really understands what they're saying that was really great and just just for the practice in general whether it's Finland or whether it's Finnish Americans or whether it's Norwegians, Swedes, Germans I don't care who they are just that there's an awareness of it there's an appreciation for it in that, you know, a hundred years from now, when I'm long gone, there's still a book out there that defined in two thousand ten and eleven what sauna was at that point. And these photos will be around, unfortunately, long after I'm not. And it'll be a staple that's there in this country that says Sauna was alive and well, you know, when we entered 2010. And where it goes from here, we don't know. But from all the research we've done and the people we've met that flame is pretty bright right now.
6: The English language picked up sauna as the one Finnish word that made it into the English dialect and that's sort of why, how we know the lens through it here and why some people correct you on pronunciation. And we never correct people. We just give them the great experience.
7: Well, it's a real strong connection to my Finnish heritage. The sauna, they, they are known to be the inventors of it. And I grew up um, having only a sauna for 13 years. You know, we didn't have a bathtub, we had a sauna.
6: I love the fact that here in the north, there is more vocabulary around sauna than anywhere else in the country from what I know. I love the lampomassa, the intensity of
8: getting those rocks not just hot, but densely hot.
7: And that will make winter bearable.
8: I mean, sauna has just been my thing, and I love it. I love it for so many reasons and elements. I wrote a book on how to build a sauna, and one of my passions uh, is, is to share that. And uh, I, I take great joy... Uh, in helping people I love the DIY ethos and you know it need not be a super expensive uh, project I akin it to uh, a candle you know I have the candle lit in my backyard and I love helping light other candles of good sauna
7: a little pile of wood and some water and you've got your therapist like saying welcome to my sauna (laughs) (laughs) my name is patty salo downs and i'm here in my backyard at my sauna well i wanted a screen door and this was a custom-built sauna so we could have it the way we wanted i remember as a little girl at my grandma's and uh You know, when you heard the screen door slam, you knew it was either your turn or somebody else's. And that, to me, brought back just really great memories. So Wednesday night, Saturday nights were sauna nights. And it was just so refreshing and a great way to get clean and relaxed. And that's what I really appreciate about the sauna. It's so relaxing when that steam is, you know just surrounding you and you're laying on a bench and you just can let go and be at peace. The other critical thing that I wanted in the sauna was that little window in in between the cold room and the steam room. And the little window in old fashioned saunas, they were always used for putting the kerosene lamp. The connection to the family, I mean, we, we grew up in saunas. You know, sa- Actually, saunas were used as a laundry room, you know, way back when. Uh, my mom did laundry in the sauna. And uh, babies were born in the sauna. And the dead, when they died, they were cleaned in the sauna. So it's really the cycle of life.
6: I think the tradition here has held because of the the culture and the wellness behind it. It's really integrated into my grandparents' life that they, every week, take saunas.
8: Finn's have a a line that says, every sauna has its own soul. And it is really true. When you're sitting on the sauna bench, you can really feel the spirit uh, of, of a sauna. And um, the heart of, of a
6: sauna is, of course, the sauna stove. Heat is the first ingredient. If you don't have that, that's the first thing you invest in. An hour and a half north of here in Tower, Minnesota, is Lampa Manufacturing, and they make the Kuma stove. I would say it's the best American-made
9: sauna stove that there is. In Finnish, it means Hot. I'm Gary Lampa. I'm CEO of Lampa Manufacturing. My great-grandfather, Richard, was kind of the go-to guy for sauna stoves.
10: So, as far as we know, this was the first sauna that uh, Daryl's grandfather built. It would have been about in the 1930s. A lady out on the lake here that was about 92 years old called up Daryl to see if he wanted to buy back his grandfather's sauna.
9: Then my grandpa Herbie had owned the dairy, which was our old factory up on, you know, in Tower over here. And him and my dad, Daryl, collaborated together and, you know, kept tinkering and testing and tinkering and testing and, you know, have developed our Kuma sauna stove line that way. Imagine a
8: cold winter's night in Tower, Minnesota, and they're out there testing and, and iterating and welding more nuances. And they they really leaned into the art of creating the most efficient wood-burning stove that they could, and they did it.
10: A year ago, this month, we moved into this facility. This is a nine thousand square foot facility. Uh, This was uh, made possible through the IRRRB. They helped finance uh, the construction of the new building. And so we got in here last
9: September. Coming from the manufacturing facility we had before to this is, it's night and day. In the old building,
10: uh, it was almost more like a blacksmith shop. It was, everything was uh, kind of one-off, one-off, one-off.
9: Our process has just improved so much, you know, from Morgan doing customer service on the telephone, she is fantastic with people, and then Dale for his manufacturing background is super strong and the vision he had for laying out this new facility over here, you know, has it was instrumental in you know making this thing work.
10: Getting into this building allowed us to really take some significant steps forward. So we'll kind of start at the beginning. This is just raw steel. All of our steel is U.S. steel. We go from the raw steel into sub-assemblies.
9: We have found some really quality employees, you know, in the local area over here. You know, being able to provide a living wage in a small town like Tower is something that I'm super proud of. I want to be a good employer for the region over here, and we want employees that are passionate about our product, and we have that right now, and it's something that is really nice to see on a daily basis.
10: Steve is 77 years old, so I call him our intern. But he's been here a long time, and he has no desire to retire, and we have no desire to lose him. Rick is actually working on one of the sauna stoves right now. So this one's getting pretty pretty far along, pretty close to being completed. And uh, Rick's also our shop foreman.
8: You know the question is how many, how many adults does it take to move a kuma stove? And I think the answer is three and a dolly. I mean it's 350 pounds without, without the fire brick and without the rocks on top.
10: Once we come out of the weld shop, uh, we come out here and this is where we do paint prep. The key is in the preparation as with any painting. From there, it'll go into the paint booth. Once they come out, they're painted, they'll look like this.
9: My dad, Darryl Lampa, spent countless hours running this whole operation, basically with one or two other guys. He. Not only (laughs) was known as probably the best welder in the area, but he handled all the customer service, all the ordering, all the final inspection on everything. And he did that probably for close to 30 years. I I
8: joke that the Kuma cures all building ills. I mean, you can be off in a lot of your nuances of your build, but the Kuma makes up for, for a lot of that.
9: I have focused on getting word out there on just not only the the quality of materials that we use in the product, but then the longevity of the products as well. So the best way to do that is uh, having people share their experiences. And if you spend any time on sauna forums, on Facebook, I mean, Kuma comes up and people swear by it. And, you know, it's something that makes me very proud because I know, you know, all the hard work that my great-grandpa, my grandpa, my dad are put into this.
7: Well, even just lighting the fire and to hear the sound of the fire and the flames dancing, it's just very soul satisfying. And I think the sauna for me has a real heart, soul connection too because not only is it about cleaning the body it's about cleaning the mind clearing the mind and that to me is the most gratifying part
8: i moved to minnesota after living in europe and northern europe specifically and becoming just a huge fan of sauna and the in nature uh... the birches uh... the, the pines um, the shield lakes uh... the granite outcroppings uh, I love that topography, and uh, I moved to Minnesota because of I love that topography. So one of the first things I did is uh, purchase a kuma stove and, um, and build a sauna. You know, that was like a quest of mine that I uh, was so happy to do 30 years ago and, um, and live it today.
7: The healing aspects of it, I believe, are just the relaxation of it and the aroma. Inside it's all cedar and you smell that when you walk in. The sauna vistas that people like to make, you put this on the hot rocks. After it's been soaking in water for a while, you put this on the hot rocks and let it heat up. And then you very gently, you know, just put it over your body and it helps with blood circulation and the rhythmic action is once again a very spiritual experience and of course the aroma uh, that cedar <laughs> it's uh ihana as they would say in finnish which means more beyond wonderful
6: We put the Kuma stove in our big community sauna in Lake Superior because it was the local option. You know, it was the folks that we knew and we got, we built a relationship with. It's built to last. It uh, burns really efficiently, which matters in our world of thinking through how do, we, how do we do things with a little bit more eye towards environmental friendly. My name is Justin Juntinen, CEO and founder of Cedar and Stone Nordic Sauna, based here in Duluth, Minnesota. I knew we needed to start with an experience, because the experience economy, that's what people come up to Duluth for, that's burgeoning. So much of the business plan work was around wellness and boutique wellness. People want those experiences of the north while they're here. I think Sound is one of the best experiences of the north. One of the top questions was, do you build these? And I knew that we'd be asked that especially when we built this big one that was beautiful. And so from the get-go, I've always said, yes, we absolutely build these. This is part of the plan. It was just a question of how was that gonna happen. And what COVID did was it dialed back the experience side because we, for four months, had to shut down and be safe. And it just totally put jet fuel into the build side.
11: Welcome to our shop. Uh, This is the home of Cedar and Stone Sound of Building Operation. I'm Joel Vikra, and this is where we build stuff. When we're building a sauna, we typically begin by building the base. Steel makes a great foundation because it's incredibly strong and rigid, but it also allows us to basically turn the sauna into a trailer, so we can bring it from our shop here to site. We set it down on piers and remove the trailer bits. And then you have your building right there. So it's an efficient way of building and delivering it. Once we build a frame, then we start to build essentially a small building on top of it. We customize each one to the site it's going to, you know, where we put the windows, how it's going to be situated, which way the roof slopes, whether it has any overhangs or porches, things like that. And then we customize the layout on the interior so it relates to nature the best. You know, most of the sounders I've taken have no windows or, like, a tiny window, but we like huge windows. So we just put one in. I think you're going to go see it where one whole wall is a window looking out on Lake Superior. So if you use the right kind of glass and the right insulation, you can get away with that. And it makes it much more of, like, a nature experience instead of just being in a little room real hot.
6: My wife and I were living in the Pittsburgh area for a while and Pittsburgh winters weren't cold enough so we knew we were coming back home and we were excited to be with family and we loved Minnesota and in that summer we went over to Scandinavia. We did this kind of genealogy tour and we were in Finland and we did this sauna that was floating on the Baltic. And we got into this rowboat with this Finnish man, and he rowed us out and left us on this raft to sauna and swim. And I told my wife that day, I said, hey, if this could happen in the U.S., it would happen in Duluth. And that was over a decade ago. And so the idea of the business, you know, not just the tradition and growing up with it, um, really started then. And then we moved back to Duluth, and we fell in love with the city again. I want the flourishing of Duluth and the people that are here and anybody who comes to play here. And the how sauna sort of became the how to do that. And we began envisioning it. And my wife was like, hey, I need to see some, like, details. You can't just tell a good story. Like, what does this look like on paper? You know." And so we wrote the 47-page business plan, and we did all the, the legwork, and it was like, you know what, this, this really could work here. You know, one of those examples was working with uh, Jesse Hinkemeyer at the Inn on Lake Superior. And we had already built it. And I set up the meeting, and I I brought the mobile sauna to him. And I said, Jesse, here's what I want to do. I want to guide people through this process of sauna. People come up here to Duluth, they want to relax, they want to get away, they want to adventure. I want to do that right here, right on the shores of Lake Superior, right next to the hotel. Here's how I think we could do it.
8: You know Justin is a he, he's an evangelist to this he's a, he's a spiritual guide in, in a way and he's a special person that way um, to help guide people through
6: sauna he walked in and he said this place is beautiful I can see that I can see people wanting that we just you know found the right people that we had been working with and um, you know the main Kind of crux of that was beginning to work with joel vikra and uh, we hired joel and nick another great craftsman to build our benches in the community space and they're these beautiful sinuous kind of waterfall looking benches with clear cedar and they're like furniture and joel and i just kept talking and we said hey we should think about a way to do more than just benches we should do the whole thing So one of the things that is
11: most fun about this are the people who are involved. Um, So we've got a team of a retired professional ballet dancer. We have uh, an opera singer and college professor. Uh, We've got a guitar maker. Um, We have
6: a couple of uh, like apprentices. We've been building a team and I've been more impressed and more proud not of just the beautiful structures we've built, but the fact that we've built a team and we've paid people salaries and money and hours that have fed their families during one of the, the hardest times.
11: With COVID, people are working kind of weird schedules so they can accommodate family needs and stuff like that, um, but it's a great team.
6: And when I watch Duluth businesses make things, many of them are trying to not say, we're going to make the cheapest product for you, we're going to make the most quality. And I look at Lowell furniture that's beautiful and modern and um, thoughtful in its design and lasts. I think that's what we're trying to do. I often heard that success wasn't built around, did you do the thing? It was success is really measured by you being obedient to the call i think i'm doing the thing that i'm built for in the city that i love and not many people get to say that